What's up, you guys? We're back, Sauce Lab Podcast. Week two of the NFL season has just concluded, and it was a wild ride. This week, actually, I didn't get as much time to literally just sit in front of the TV. I had some stuff to do, but obviously, you know me. I was walking around with my phone, with Red Zone on, with all the games. Last night when I got home, I rewatched all of the games. I looked at the highlights, looked at the stats, went to PFF and did my research, and I really got down with how I felt about the week. I honestly like to say, just to start it out, this season already feels like a really weird one. A, it feels like even more than even in the past. I know that NFL is so week to week, any given Sunday, that's supposed to be like the thing about the NFL, but this season, it feels even more than any other season. Obviously, there are still shining players. There are still teams that are shining and doing that consistently, aka like the Buccaneers. They're on a tear, and I think that they continue to be on a tear, but there are some teams like the Houston Texans that are randomly being good, and teams like the Chiefs that are losing in games that I didn't predict them to lose, and just a lot of weird upsets and a lot of just weird things happening in general, but I love that. You guys know that my favorite part about the NFL is the storylines and the weird things that are created and the narratives and shit like that, so... I'm loving what's been going on this season, and I'm ready to get into the week two roundup and just round up all my thoughts and feelings about the week. So I'm going to start off with the best game of the week, and that was the Cardinals versus the Vikings in an offensive showdown where the Cardinals went on to win 34-33. to It ended up coming down to a missed field goal by the Minnesota Vikings, so salty Vikings fans will say, oh, it should have been our win, it should have been our win, but I really think that Kyler Murray, I was correct in last week that he is starting this MVP campaign. The Cardinals are really a team to beat, are one of the elite teams in the NFL, it's starting to look like, based on their week one and week two performances. There's some eye test that you can have where you can just see that Kyler Murray is doing things that are so explosive, so out of the play design, that fourth and five drop back, Hail Mary off the back foot to Christian Kirk was just gorgeous. Uh, his running around the pocket is, I'd like to even say, it's one of the best that I've ever seen as a young football fan. I think that the only comparable guys might be Cam Newton, Russell Wilson, or Lamar Jackson are the only guys that scramble around in the pocket like Kyler Murray can. But he's so small and quick that I feel like he almost has an edge over those guys, and I just really love what they were doing. Obviously, I don't love how the Cardinals played, honestly, in the midfield on defense. K.J. Osborne, the what looks like now the third receiver for the Minnesota Vikings, instead of D.D. Westbrook, it was going off in the middle of the field on his slants and dig routes and stuff like that. He looked very, very good. Just the Minnesota Vikings offense as a whole looks very, very good. But that's what we know Kirk Cousins is. Put up a lot of yards, put up a lot of touchdowns, and still get the L. Just does enough to hit the mark, but not enough to get the W. That's really how I saw him going into the season. There's a bunch of other QBs that fall into that same category, but almost as like pretty much as I was expecting, it's really the Vikings defense that's holding them back. Though they have some really shiny pieces, Eric Kendricks, Daniel Hunter looked like a beast. Three sacks, especially that one in the fourth quarter on Kyler where he looked like he had just nowhere to go. He wrapped him up. 
he played fantastic. Eric Kendricks looked really good. Cameron Dantzler actually had a couple really good plays. But there still is a ton of holes on that team, and that's really what's going to be their downfall this season. As of right now, they are 0-2, and they're looking like they're going to just continue to get worse and worse. And my five-win prediction for them does not look bad whatsoever. But overall, the high-scoringness of it, the fact that the Vikings went up early, the Cardinals came back and got the W, that makes it best game of the week. Offensive player of the week was Derrick Henry. When you get 30 rushes a game and I think five receptions, you are not going to not be the player of the week. That man had so many attempts, so many tries. Honestly, I think that on the average play, he had a big differential between his huge runs and the average runs because I think of the average runs he was actually going for like three two one I saw a couple tackles for loss where he wasn't doing that well but I'm so glad that even though he has all the wear and tear from the past two seasons of him getting the most rushes and the most carries in the NFL he still has that explosiveness where he can break it to the outside and score that long touchdown against the Seahawks obviously this week really proved that to me that he still has that explosiveness in him that he's still the same Derrick Henry, and that when they play a bad rush defense like the Seattle Seahawks, when they play a team like that, they can just get Derrick Henry going, and that can open up the field for Julio Jones and A.J. Brown and things like that, and that's really what they want to do. Ryan Tannehill had a solid game. Uh, Julio, I think that that toe tap honestly was inbounds, and he should have gotten a touchdown on that play, but it wasn't a call to touchdown for whatever reason. But Derrick Henry, I think it was 180 yards, three touchdowns, just a friggin' animal, and that's all I gotta say about that. Defensive Player of the Week, Mike Edwards for the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Not only did he have a fantastic coverage grade during that game, he was lights out with the pick sixes, two to be exact. The first one jumped right in front of it. The dude clearly has a knack for the end zone very quick I've been talking about all offseason how much I love that Buccaneers secondary and even though Sean Murphy Bunting went down last week it looks like they're still more than good enough more than capable Carlton Davis has been looking fantastic as their cornerback one I mean obviously their cornerback two has a little bit of question marks but their safeties are still great Mike Edwards Mike Edwards being one of them and those two pick sixes plus his fantastic coverage grade is what got him the defensive player of the week, along with their monstrous win over the Atlanta Falcons. I know that, that was more on the Tampa Bay offense than it was on the defense, but regardless, Mike Edwards, defensive player of the week, book it. Fantasy players of the week. And also, this is not the best fantasy players. This is the players that aren't usually fantasy studs that just came out to play today or this week, and my two guys for that are Tony Pollard, the quote-unquote backup for the Cowboys, but it's starting to look like he might honestly overtake Zeke for touches by the end of the season. He might really turn into that number one role. So much younger, so much more explosive. I do think that on an average yards per carry on like an HB dive type play, like a run up the middle, Zeke is still your guy for that. He's still going to be the end zone back, but Pollard looks better in receptions, looks more elusive, looks quicker, looks like he can hit the edge a lot faster and looks like he has the potential for like a 30-yard breakaway run and Zeke just does not. So I could definitely see Pollard winning that number one role by the end of the season. He looked really good this week. And the other one is Rondale Moore, a rookie for, or the rookie for the Arizona Cardinals out of Purdue, guy that I really like coming out of college that it's now looking like he's becoming the bona fide number two wide receiver on a team with the MVP, with the current, as of right now, MVP at quarterback. So what's to go wrong? I think that this dude's just going to continue to skyrocket as the season goes on. He had that 
fantastic catch in week one when Kyler was juking out the Titans in the backfield, dots it down the field. He had a bunch of really, really nice catches this week. I think he had around 24, 25 fantasy points. It was a really, really good one. Biggest injury of the week, I have to go to Deontay Johnson. There was a bunch of quarterback injuries, but it really seems like all of them are going to be playing at some point again this season. But Deontay Johnson, we are really unsure. I think that it's going to be at least four weeks out, maybe four, five, six weeks out. Could be the entire season if it's an ACL tear, and then he has to get the surgery for that, which would really obviously hurt the Steelers, especially with Big Ben's arm looking like what it is. They really can't get an offense going that much, especially if Deontay Johnson's out, so that's really going to hurt their team, so that's why I put Deontay as the biggest injury of the week. The team that I'm starting to buy is the Carolina Panthers. They are looking fantastic so far. 2-0. I really think that they were one of two teams that I put as the biggest improvement for this year, them and the Washington football team. Football team's looking a lot less, but they still got they still pulled out the W this week, so I can't discredit them whatsoever. But the Panthers, I was really right in that so many young guys on that defense are stepping up. The offense is working so well with Christian McCaffrey. They're 2-0. It looks like both phases of the field are doing great. Actually, all three phases of the field are doing really great. They handedly beat the Jets in the first week, and they handedly beat the Saints last week. Both of them making them look like a very, very good team. Making Sam Darnold look like a pro bowler, similar to how I said in my hot takes list. And I'm just really buying into what the Panthers are doing right now. I'll talk about them a little bit later, too. A team that I'm starting to sell was the Miami Dolphins. After Tua had his injury, the defense really did not look good, and they got completely shut out by the Buffalo Bills. I'm really not confident in them. Even though they did beat the Patriots week one, it wasn't a resounding win. I think that the Patriots offense even looked a little bit better than the Miami offense in that game. As of right now, with Devontae Parker being the number one receiver on that team, I still just don't see it being that good. Kasiki really isn't getting the receptions or the yards that he was projected going into the season, similar to how I predicted also. I just like to focus on the fact that I've been getting a lot, of, a lot, a lot right so far, which I'm very happy about, clearly. But the Dolphins, just with that offense, their offensive line is still not that fantastic. And like I said, their defense, besides Xavier Howard, who got burnt by Stephon Diggs and clearly lost that matchup, they really don't have many standout players. Emmanuel Agba, Andrew Van Ginkle, uh, Jerome Baker, guys like that are the standouts, but when those type of guys that aren't Pro Bowl caliber players are your standouts, you don't have a elite defense, and that's just that. Regardless of how good of a defensive coach Brian Flores is, regardless of how good other stuff is, I just don't love them as a team going forward, and I think that they could be even lower than the nine win total that I had going into the season. My random new hot take is that the Arizona Cardinals go on to win their division, even though the 49ers and the LA Rams are looking fantastic. So are the Cardinals, and I'm a sucker for a good storyline, and I think that the Kyler Murray wins MVP and leads them to the number one seed, beating out Matthew Stafford and Sean McVay, or beating out Trey Lance slash Jimmy Garoppolo and Kyle Shanahan. Just feels like a storyline written in the stars. So I'm going to throw that, slap my name on that one. Arizona Cardinals go on to win their division, I still do believe that all four teams in that division could go on to make the playoffs. They all look fantastic. Even the Seahawks in their loss, but three of the teams are 2-0. and One of the team is 1-1, and and they all look like they are the team to beat in the NFC, other than the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. But those teams all look fantastic, Cardinals especially. 
Now I'm going to go with the top five storylines to take away from the week. This first one is going to be like a three and one. And it's going to be ranking the two and the current two and teams that I feel shaky about. And that is the Panthers, the Raiders, and the Broncos. So I'm going to go into depth about the three, talk about their strengths, talk about their weaknesses, and then rank the three on how I think that they're going to do for the rest of the season going forward. So number one, I have the Carolina Panthers. Like I just said, Sam Darnold's been looking great. And I think that the biggest reason for him looking great is that he doesn't need to do too much. Robbie Anderson hasn't even been eating that much, but it's really DJ Moore, Christian McCaffrey, Terrence Marshall still opening up the field a ton for them. And their offense just looks very good and very efficient overall. They never have to do too much. They slow the game down. But really the thing that's keeping them so much in these games are the defense. And I think that this defense is really breaking out like I expected. Dante Jackson and Brian Burns, two of the players that I was highest on in the entire NFL going into this season, are both lighting it up and looking really, really great doing so. Jeremy Chin, J.C. Horn, Shaq Thompson, Yatur Gross Matos, so many guys on this defense are looking far above what they were going to be predicted to be going into the season. And I think that this is only going to help them elevate next week. They're going up against the Texans, which I think they will easily go three and zero. They are one of my locks for the week, actually just a little sneak peek, but I think that they're looking fantastic so far. And I really like the direction that the Panthers and Matt rule are going in. The second team out of the three is the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, as of right now, I think that out of these three teams, they definitely have the worst roster, but their wins were by far the most promising out of the three, beating the Ravens and the Steelers, two teams that looked so great going into this season, and they handedly won that. Derek Carr showing that he is the guy, and honestly, like going into the season, I, I it was in my hot takes that the Raiders would be in the market for a new QB, and I really thought that that was going to be the case. Then even now, when I just looked up the salary cap for starting quarterbacks, he's getting paid less than Jimmy Garoppolo, getting paid less than Carson Wentz, getting paid less than Matt Ryan, getting paid less than so many dudes at his same position that I think that he's far exceeding them right now. He's on pace for 6,000 some yards. Obviously, that really doesn't matter, but it just means that he's had a really, really great first two games. He's getting everyone on the offense involved, which I really didn't think that he had the capability to do, but Darren Waller is getting his. Last game, Henry Ruggs got his. The first game, Brian Edwards got his. Uh, Hunter Renfro is getting his in the short game. I'm really just really liking this offense so far and how it looks. I do think that the defense still needs to step up and they can't be letting up as many points as they have been. Besides Max Crosby, I think Max Crosby has really been looking like a candidate for all pro at the de- at the edge position. He's so ferocious at first contact and just is so strong. And this looks like he's just ready to eat someone's head off. So I love what Max Crosby is doing. Yannick Ngakwe had a very good first week too. But I still think that their defense, especially their secondary, needs to take a step up if they actually want to make a playoff push going off of this 2-0 run. And then the third team is the Broncos. I think Teddy is right now enough, but does that mean that he can push them over the edge and actually have them either make the playoffs or win a game in the playoffs? And I really don't know that that's the truth. Even though he has looked spectacular for what he is, I mean, not like eye-popping MVP-type numbers, but what we expected Teddy Bridgewater to be, he is far exceeding that so far, yet is it is against teams that do not have a fantastic defense as of right now. 
being the Jaguars and the New York Giants, two teams that look like top five worst in the NFL as we speak right now. I think that a lot on their offense is really going to be driven by how Jerry Judy looks coming back from his injury when he comes back in four or five, six weeks, depending on whenever he comes back. If he looks like the elite receiver that we saw in week one and like I was predicting going into the season, Teddy Bridgewater might not even have to do so much. And just with Cortland Sutton, Noah Fant's been looking really good and Jerry Judy there. He might be able to really get something started. Tim Patrick, a guy that I've always been so high on for the last like three years-ish, is really still looking like a great option as well as their number two receiver while Jerry Judy's gone. But once Jerry Judy comes back, those four guys, Patrick, Judy, Sutton, Fant, with Bridgewater, might just be enough with their defense. Because in my opinion, their defense, that secondary, is one of the top three in the league. Kareem Jackson played amazing. I know Patrick Sertan was great in coverage and actually had his first interception of his career, which congrats to him. I really hope, I know Ronald Darby was actually just placed on the IR, so he's definitely going to get an uptick of minutes and reps, which is really good for his development and his improvement. And I think that with that defense alongside him, like I've said so many times in the NFL, one position group can really help another excel so much. And with Vaughn being good and Bradley Chubb, I'll get to him in a second with his injury, but with him, with the edge rushers looking so good and the rest of the secondary locking up everything, Sertan is just going to get better reps, Worse looks by the quarterback, which is just going to lead to more interceptions and more pass bat downs and things like that. So he's really going to eat off of everything that's going on around him. The thing that they definitely need most as of right now to continue winning in the regular season is for Bradley Chubb to quickly recover from this injury and not have it linger because I think that he creates so much chaos in the pass rush area that that is going to cause wins. Literally, the difference between L's and W's is whether Bradley Chubb stays on the field. So I think that's going to be really big for them. But with their two L's coming against teams that weren't too good, Teddy being only solid and nothing above that, and the defense being elite, I'm just wondering, is this enough to be better than the Raiders or the Panthers? And I personally think no. So in that order, I'm going to go Panthers, Raiders, Broncos. The number four storyline is going to be QB injuries are going to shape how the rest of the season goes for those teams. Uh, four, we saw four frigging QB injuries. All I want right now is just to turn injuries off like this is Madden. Injuries really fucking suck in the game of football. And it's something that really angers me, obviously, because so many predictions go awry. So many fan bases just get collapsed and things like that where it really just shows how important it is to have solid backups. Luckily, all the teams that had these injuries had have currently QBs that I think are very solid backups, but I think that that honestly might translate into the rest of the season. So I'm going to go on to them. So number one was Tua. Tua's injury was not too bad, according to reports, and that he'll definitely be back next week. But I think that if this injury lingers, Jacoby Brissett was already getting runs to get the first down and just like a QB sneak, which is what really what he's been good at, what he excelled at in Indianapolis. But I think that that could honestly lead to, I hate to say it, because I really don't love the... Miami offense, they might be looking for different routes to just try to figure out how to get this W, and they might go back to what they did last season, where they were pulling Tua at different times, 
and instead letting Jacoby Brissett getting big plays. I know that, obviously, now they have a lot more confidence in Tua now that it's a sophomore year and not his rookie year, but still, with that lingering injury, they could easily, easily use that injury as an excuse to just say, we're resting our quarterback, he needs this time to just rehab, and then they'll let Jacoby Brissett play an entire drive. He scores a touchdown, and then they're at a conundrum where, do we go back to starting Tua again? Do they keep doing this flip-flop? I don't really know. Next quarterback that went down was Andy Dalton of the Chicago Bears. It looks like he's going to be back, but I think that with how inept this offense is, even though they took down the Bengals this week in a game that Joe Burrow did not look so good in, I think that this could honestly be their getting handed the key to open the lock that is Justin Fields and this offense. And I think that that could be coming a lot sooner than we had predicted. Originally, I was thinking around week 8, 9, 10, but now I think it could come as soon as next week Justin Fields gets named the starter because of Andy Dalton's injury. So, And I honestly hope that that happens. Next injury that came up was Carson Wentz. It looks like he has two sprained ankles, which is almost comedic because he's Mr. Injury. I've actually always been a very big fan of Jacob Eason coming out of college and actually Sam Ellinger. Whoever gets the start if Carson Wentz actually does go down for an extended period of time, I think will step up to the challenge. I don't love the Colts offense as a whole. Even going into the season, I didn't, and it's really coming to fruition. Being that they are already 0-2, their defense looks solid, but really it looks like their offense and the ineptness of their offense is really what's going to have them go down ultimately as probably a non-playoff team, sadly. And the last one was Baker Mayfield went down. He ended up coming back in the end, but it made me wonder like, what were to happen if Baker were to go down? Would they start losing games? And I honestly don't think so. I think Case Keenum is more than a fine backup, especially with the style of play that they have, where it's so run first. Odell Beckham Jr. is still not even in the lineup. It's only short passes, really, than a play action that really opens up the field, but it really seems like they're staying in the short game. They're obviously running the fuck out of the ball with Nick Chubb and Kareem Hunt, and they're just going to continue to use that play style. So if... For some reason, Baker Mayfield, this injury lingers or he gets injured again. I don't think that they are going to be in the worst situation. And then headline five of the week, which you guys might disagree, you might agree, but I think that already after week two, what we just saw, it's time for the Giants to really scrap it down and start the rebuild. I know that that sounds crazy, but it really seems like Daniel Jones is probably the worst quarterback in the NFL as of right now, even though statistically he had a very good first two games, especially in fantasy football. I think he's even a top five quarterback right now, but just when it needs to get done, he can't do it. I think that he just still has the turnover problem, clearly, and just all around the team, the team was very poorly coached. They had Darius Slayton's drop, which was 100% on himself and not like the whole team, but it's just poorly coached in that way. The Dexter Lawrence flag at the end of the game, that was on them. The fact that James Bradbury had the pick and then they couldn't capitalize with a touchdown and rather gave up three, which ended up letting football team drive down and score the field goal to win. So many different things where I feel like they just could have done a little bit more. They had the ball in their hands ready to get the W so many times, and they just kept failing at it that I think that it honestly might be time that Joe Judge is on the hot seat, even though it's only a second year on the team, and they looked a lot better than predicted last year. 
based on what I've seen so far from this year, this might be time to scrap it down. Saquon just does not look like the same Saquon. Kenny Galladay looks like he's not worth that money. Their offensive line still looks like a turning style, and their defense that was pretty solid last year is just not getting it done this year, allowing so many points to Taylor Heineke and Teddy Bridgewater, two guys that going into the season, if you were like, oh, they were going for 300 yards and two touchdowns against these teams, you'd be like, what the hell? But they are, they're letting that happen, and I think that it honestly might be time they're getting handed the key to just say, let's restart this shit, let's start it over. I, I don't know what they're going to do about that Kenny Galladay contract now that they've just signed it for four years, but I guess clearly there was a reason why he fell until the first week of free agency to get signed. Maybe they really just didn't see what other people saw in him, and he was not the best signing, it seems like. Now we're going to transition from the last week and how I felt about last week into the, my predictions for this coming week. So I'm going to start off with the player to start this week. It's going to be Michael Pittman Jr. against the Tennessee Titans. Obviously, the Carson Wentz question mark is still unanswered, but a question that is answered is, are, is the Titans secondary good? And the answer to that is a resounding no. They have let up a ton of yards in both of their games against Tyler Lockett and DK Metcalf this past game, and then against DeAndre Hopkins, Christian Kirk, Rondale Moore in week one. One, they're just going to continue to let these receivers feast on them because they just do not have corners that are good enough to step up to the challenge. Like I said, going into the season also, I think that the defense is really going to be their downfall. And Michael Pittman Jr. coming off of that, like, I think around 120-yard game this past week could really feast again, get like seven, eight, nine receptions. I would not be too surprised and really just eat against the Titans. And then a player to sit this week, I've got Clyde Edwards-Hilaire against the L.A. Chargers. A guy that really did not look too good last night on Sunday Night Football. Obviously, that fumble at the end really was the thing that ended up costing them the game. So I think that they honestly might game script out of Clyde Edwards-Hilaire, at least for the time being until he earns those reps back, especially against the Chargers, who have a pretty stout run defense, a team that the Chargers are probably going to go up quickly in points. And it's going to be a passing game, just back and forth and back and forth. Or Mahomes is really going to be the gunslinger, and Clyde isn't going to get the yards and the things necessary for him to be a viable starter. So I just say maybe you might need to sit him this week. A group that'll disappoint is I think that the Lions run game, a team that really excelled in week one and was and we're yet to see the game is tonight against the Packers, but I think that they will take a step back against the Baltimore Ravens run defense. It's just looking very good. And with the fact that they're a two-headed backfield, I think that the Ravens will easily go up. Goff will have to pass, and they will not have much room to run in that game. So I would not really play, or I don't think that they're going to have a great performance from DeAndre Swift or Jamal Williams. And then a group that I think will shine is the Cardinals offense once again against the Jacksonville Jaguars, a defense that is clearly top three worst in the league against an offense that right now looks like it's top three in the league. I just don't know what else to say other than Kyler will continue to cook. Kyler will continue to get his on the ground in the passing game. I think Chase Edmonds could have a very good game this week. A lot of guys, just that entire offense will be clicking. I really want to see more receptions and more yards from Rondale Moore, just more showing of him being that guy on that offense. As the number two, obviously, DeAndre Hopkins is still going to get his as well. With the Cardinal offense, I'm really excited to see them shine. And then for my three-game prediction, also just quickly before I do the three-game prediction, just want to say I went 2-1 and one last week 
with my predictions for locks. The 49ers beating the Eagles, I was correct. Cardinals beating the Vikings, I was correct. But the Chiefs beating the Ravens, I was sadly not. Obviously, that ending was brutal, and I was rooting for me to go 6-0. and But as of right now, I am 5-1, and still a very good record. My three locks of the week are going to be the Panthers beating the Texans 35-21, to the Browns beating the Bears 28-21, to and the Cardinals beating the Jaguars 30-13. to Those three games I feel very confident in. Panthers, like I just said, coming off of their two-game win streak. I think they had the confidence in their favor. Defense is looking very good. And the Texans, who have overperformed based on what their roster is, based on everything around them, I think that they'll come back to earth for sure, especially with my hot take week one that they won't win another game for the entire season, which is kind of funny. I think that they'll continue to have that same skid again, and they will lose to the Panthers. The Browns, even though they were in it close with the Texans, I think that they have a bounce back game, and they beat the Bears pretty handedly. I only have it at the end being a one-possession game because the Bears are coming off of the W and they just have some momentum going their way. Maybe this could be Justin Fields' first game playing and then he puts up some points, but I do think that the Browns do ultimately come out with the W and the Cardinals over the Jaguars. I literally just said it. I think that that offense is going to go crazy. The Jaguars are going to be able to do nothing against Isaiah Simmons, Byron Murphy, Buda Baker, Chandler Jones, J.J. Watt, all those guys on that defense. I think that they're going to go crazy, and those are my three locks for the week. Now I'm going to just do five players who are quietly playing amazing. This is just I want to give a shout-out to five dudes who aren't really making the headlines, but so far on offense are playing spectacularly. This is both for fantasy and not. I've got Derek Carr, the quarterback of the Las Vegas Raiders, like I said, passing for, I think, the most passing yards in the first two games in Raiders franchise history. Carr clearly trying to prove that he is the quarterback that John Gruden wants to get it done. He is honestly, even though he was paid like the best quarterback in the league at the time of being paid, now that it's years down the line in that contract, he's not getting paid too much whatsoever, and he looks like he could be the guy going forward for the Las Vegas Raiders. Uh, James White, the running back for the New England Patriots, had so many receptions against the Jets, they just really had no idea how to guard them. Obviously, I w- I'll mention just quickly, Zach Wilson's four interceptions. I'm obviously very, very upset about that. I didn't touch on that in the weekly roundup, just because I don't even want to rethink about it. I honestly think that the first two passes were really not too much of his fault. The second one especially was right through Corey Davis's hands, but the last two really gave me PTSD-type flashbacks to Sam Darnold and the Adam Gase era, which I don't even want to think and remember that that existed. So that's how that was. But back to James White. James White's been doing very solid on the ground, very solid in the reception game. Even though Damian Harris has been getting the bulk of carries as a running back, White still has so many receptions out of the backfield. Mac Jones is obviously opening up that up for them, and it feels a lot more like a Brady scheme where White would excel in PPR leagues and things like that over a Cam Newton scheme where he'd be run first and things like that. So now that Mac Jones is the starting quarterback, I really like James White now and going forward. Number three is Sterling Shepard, a guy on the New York Giants who I thought originally could have been the four, honestly, and it could have been Galladay one, Slayton two, Tony three, Shepard four, but it's now looking like Shepard is the one at this current point. He's done better than Galladay. He's done better than whatever the fuck the tight ends are on the New York Giants. No one really good anymore, sadly. But Shepard has really been the standout in that offense. We, when we last saw him fully healthy, he was having a fantastic season. So it's not much of a surprise that he's going back to that good form. 
but it's just really nice to see from a guy that I wasn't expecting this good of a season for. Another guy that I really was not high on that is quietly doing really, really well this week, especially because of the play of Lamar Jackson, it's Hollywood Brown, Marquise Brown. I'm really loving what I've seen out of him as a flyer. Uh, he's gotten a ton of receptions, a lot of breakaway runs. Obviously, that Lamar runs into the line, shovel pass, whatever the hell that was to Hollywood Brown for a touchdown was a spectacular ball, wide open in the middle of the field, put on the burners, and he's been having a really good season, and I would love to see that continue. I mean, once Bateman comes back, once Rashad Bateman comes back, they've even been getting Sammy Watkins involved. So I don't know if that's too sustainable that Hollywood Brown has this amazing season. But as of right now, he's really quietly been a top 10 receiver in the league right now. And the last one is Noah Fant, a guy that's caught two touchdowns in both of his, or a, a touchdown in each of his first two games, looking very, very good, looking like a good safety valve in the red zone for Teddy Bridgewater. And I would hope that he continues to have that five reception plus per game type average. And then he could go on to be a very, very good tight end. And now for the last segment of the podcast, I'm going to be doing just a little tidbit type thing, and I want to know what you guys think about it. This is something that I was thinking about making an episode of before the season started with no credibility to its name, and then I refrained because it was like, where is this information coming from? But it looks like what I'm thinking is coming to fruition. I'd like you guys, I'm going to name some names, and I want to see if before I say what they all have in common, if you guys can guess what they all have in common. Jalen Ramsey, Buda Baker, Hollywood Brown, DJ Moore, Sterling Shepard, Jordan Fuller, Byron Murphy, Chase Edmonds, Robert Woods, Patrick Queen, KJ Hamler, Mark Ingram, and Darius Slay. Very random guys, all from different years, all on different teams. You're probably like, I have no friggin' clue what these dudes have in common. They're all at different sides of the ball, whatever. Drumroll, please. The thing that they all have in common is they all switched their jersey numbers this offseason from double digits to single digits. You might see, hear that and go, Jason, what the hell are you talking about? Who cares about a jersey number? That's just her flashiness. But I really do think all those names that I've named have been playing insane this season. Ramsey has been spectacular in coverage. Buda Baker flying around the field. Patrick Queen having the breakout that I expected. Like I just said, Hollywood Brown and Sterling Shepard, both guys quietly playing as top 10 receivers right now. DJ Moore, the number one reception guy on the Carolina Panthers. Chase Edmonds doing so much better than what his projections were. People thought that he'd really be splitting carries with James Conner, but he's looking like the real number one back. Byron Murphy, a great corner so far this season. Mark Ingram has been looking like the number one in Houston, and in week one, he was getting an abundance of yards, I think top three in carries in the entire NFL, and I honestly think that the jersey number has something to do with it. I don't think that it's a coincidence, and I really think that it's a revitalization for these guys' career, and they feel like they're really starting anew by getting a new jersey number. I think that they have something in themselves that they're trying to prove by changing this jersey number, saying that I'm good enough, I have enough confidence in myself that I can make you guys all have the incorrect jerseys, and I am still going to go out there and shine. Like, I, it sounds so weird coming off my tongue because a number has no correlation to production, but all of these guys really do seem to be playing so much better than predicted, and that is something that I thought going into the season. Maybe it's that 
because of the jersey number, the defenses are being more lenient. Or because the jersey looks so different, quarterbacks are targeting them more. Or quarterbacks, I guess for the defensive players, they're seeing the single numbers and thinking, oh, it's my receiver tossing it, and then Byron Murphy with the pick. Or something like that. I think that it's obviously very hard to justify, and I don't have many statistics to back it up. But when I look at this list of guys that change their numbers, they're really all playing up to or way above their expectations, and they're doing it week in and week out, and I expect the same to happen for the rest of the season. Robert Woods, I didn't just name, but like he's been so fantastic on, the, on that Rams team. I think that he could go on to be a top 10 receiver at the end of the year. I think Jalen Ramsey still solidifies himself as the number one corner in the league. Just so many guys that have changed their number are looking good, and I think that it cannot be a coincidence with how many guys it's happening to. So that's just the last thing that I'll end it off on. Thank you guys so much for watching. That was another quick-ish episode, but I have a lot of work to do. I'm very, very busy this week and next week, and I'm just going to continue to be busy now that college is really starting up and things are getting going. I'm still loving talking football, still loving watching the NFL. Very excited for Lions-Packers tonight. I'm hoping that the Packers can really bounce back and prove that they are not a fluke team and that Aaron Rodgers is actually causing these L's. I think it would be hilarious to watch Jared Goff out pass and out throw Aaron Rodgers tonight, but I am obviously not predicting that. I assume that it'll be a very solid win for the Green Bay Packers, but we will see. So thank you guys so much for listening. Do not forget to tune in next week when I recap the next week. I really still, even though my schedule is becoming busier, I'm still going to try to make some more rap and NBA episodes. I have a really, really funny episode that contains actually all three, NFL, NBA, and rap, that will hopefully be coming to you guys this week or next week. So thank you guys for watching. Follow us on Spotify. Follow us on Instagram. Follow us on, tw on TikTok. Have an amazing day and peace.